Hey everyone, Dave Hagen here. Congratulations. If you're listening to this week's podcast, chances are you've already implemented most of my five steps to financial success. If you're not sure what these steps are, go back and listen to the past several episodes and and take a listen. I think we've been at it for seven or eight weeks now. Perhaps you've completed all of these points. Now what? What do you do with this very unique position that you're in and what do you do to move forward in a very positive way? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. Well, you've got the five steps that you've accomplished, so now you're in a very unique position. Your financial house is squared away. You've put yourself in a position to be financially successful on a long-term basis. What now? Well, truthfully, the answer to this question is whatever you want. If you follow the financial plan to this point, chances are you've got some income over expenses each month, which used to be going to pay debt. What are you going to do with this money now? Now, a lot of what you intend to do probably depends upon what it is as a priority in your life. For some, it might be to travel. For others, it might be to increase their standard of living or lifestyle a bit. Certainly, whatever you decide to do is completely up to you. However, I would encourage you to be mindful about your plan and have a very specific idea about where you want to spend your money. Now, if it were me, I'd spend some money on some type of reward. Uh, If you've just gone through this very long, difficult process of paying off debt and getting your house in order, you deserve a reward. I'd take some time to go on a trip or just hang out somewhere and relax. Getting through these five steps isn't easy. It really has not been easy. And you certainly should reward yourself for this good hard work. Past that, you might want to save for your next car. Certainly, you don't want to get back into the trap of paying for things with credit, and a car is one of the first places where people usually get back into trouble. People borrow money to buy a depreciating asset, which is a car. That's just not a good idea. For some, you might want to start saving for a home. Now, owning a home is not the end-all that it was considered to be up until even a few years ago. However, if you'd really like to own your own home, start saving money so that you can go in with 20% down. This way you can walk into a real estate transaction in a much stronger negotiating position. You can control the transaction better if you've got 20% down. Some may wish to start savings for their kids' college education. Again, college education isn't the end-all that it was considered to be just even a few years ago. However, if it looks like your children may be inclined to go to college, saving some money starting when they are very young will pay dividends down the line. This will save them, and perhaps you, from the difficulties of incurring student loan debt. In any event, spend a few minutes to sit down and decide what's important to you in terms of furthering your financial life. Sit down, spend some quiet time, and make a list of what's really important to you in terms of your life path. Then break that down into individual steps to get there. 
You can do whatever you want, but you have to be deliberate about getting what you want. It's a nice spot to be in, isn't it? This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. Emails, emails, emails. Nick, what do you got? So Dave, this one actually comes from me. Okay. And uh, as you know, uh, I will be attending law school this coming August, and I have a situation on my hand. Um, I have applied to seven schools. I've received decisions from four already. I've been accepted to three and waitlisted to one. Uh, one of them is uh, ranked a little bit uh, around, you know, higher up there, and they're giving me a $20,000 scholarship for my first year of law school. And I've also been accepted to a more prestigious law school, but I have, uh, they are offering me no scholarship to attend my first year. And my question stems from this, which school would you advise me to go to based on that, the information that I've given you so far? Oh, wow. Well, first of all, congratulations. I know you've been, you've been accepted to one school, but I didn't know about the other school. So thank you. You're well on your way. Uh, what, what does this mean? We've got to get another announcer for next year. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm just trying to pursue my dreams. <laughs> well, I wouldn't want to stop you from pursuing your dreams, even if that uh, is uh, not being with the show and being a law student. Um, in terms of one school or the other, and we're talking in the law context now primarily, Uh, It really doesn't, at the end of the day, make that much difference because all you got to do is pass a quiz when you're done. Now, this quiz is a three-day test. and now It's actually now a two-day test. Two-day test. All right. And you're in a big room with all these people. But if you you can pass the quiz, um, it really doesn't matter. It, It means that you've got the basic knowledge and analytical skills to get the job done. But uh, think of it this way. The law school on your resume is going to be like part of your brand. And if that's the case, I would get into the highest ranked law school that you probably could because it's a better brand on your resume. But it's just a brand. You can still get by with extra hustle. You can still compensate with extra hustle and go to the lower the lower cost school. But I like the idea of having the best brand that you possibly can have on your resume. Now, is that going to help you that much? Um, you know, it'll help you with your first job when you get out of law school. Um, that will make a difference. Sometimes, um, you know, a school can catch someone's eye and it'll, it'll get you that job. Past that, I don't know. But it's going to be something that's going to follow you the rest of your legal career. And again, it, it adds to your branding. It's going to be looked at together with... Um, successful cases that you've been involved in, articles that you've written, presentations that you've made, and even podcasts that you've been a part of. So (laughs) these are all things that create your brand when a firm is going to be looking for a well-rounded person to work in their firm. So, And and on top of that, I... uh I was told to look at employee statistics and how many uh, students or 
um, students that have graduated, how many of them have been um, have received a job job offer within ten to twelve months? I heard that's a big factor to look into. What do you think? Well, I I think that if you're in the top ten, top fifteen percent of the class, that can make a difference. Um, obviously, job statistics are important because the whole idea of going to law school usually is you want to get a job. Usually, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it depends upon the person and the package and the presentation. Um, I think it depends on a whole bunch of other kinds of things. I mean, back in the day when I was looking for a job, I had my resume typeset. Now, everything's typeset now with computers, but back in the day, and this was more than a few years ago, I'm afraid to say, everyone was typing up their resumes in courier font. And so I put a border around it and had it done in Times Roman font. It cost me a couple extra bucks, but it sure got me noticed. I sure got some interviews that I wouldn't have ordinarily gotten. So I think it's the total package. And if it's not the total package that the firm is looking for, frankly, they're just looking at you as a billable hour and you probably don't even want to be there. So I wouldn't worry about that so much. Not so much. Um, what I think is more important, frankly, are the kind of connections that you can foster and develop in, in law school. Guest lecturer comes in, make sure that you, uh, um, you know, meet the person, have an opportunity to um, get involved in something with that person, find out what their favorite charity is. Um, you want to emulate those kind of people. And that's the real opportunity to meet, kind of, uh, meet those kind of people and, and really work and, and play with those kind of people. You want to be involved in that kind of group. I remember back one day um, in law school, they had Jerry Buss come talk to the sports law the Lakers, society, yeah. the Lakers owner. And so I made sure to... Um, I made sure to be there, and the attorney that I was working for at the time said, well, why don't you you know, give him a card and tell him that you're involved in this minor league football team, because the word was then that Jerry Buss wanted to uh, uh, you know, eventually own a football team as well. And uh, so I went up afterwards, gave him my card, and he said, uh, why don't you uh, come over for lunch at the forum? And I said, well, yes, I will. And uh, he said, just call my secretary. So I called the secretary and, and said, yeah, Jerry Buss said I should go out for lunch. And she said, yeah, uh-huh. Hold on just a minute. Really? She comes back on the line and goes, yeah, yeah. He said he wants <laughs> to have lunch with you. I couldn't believe it. So there I am sitting in the, you know, in his boardroom with his trophies and his business partner. And we're talking about football and basketball. Had a ball. Had a ball. But it was a connection that I was trying to make, a connection that I was trying to establish of course, back then, what I wanted to do was play 10 minutes of power forward for the Lakers. And being, <laughs> being 5'10", that never really came to, came to fruition. But uh, what are you going to do? But I, the, point of the, the point of the anecdote is that I think it's the connections that you make. It's the extracurricular connections that you make. It's certainly doing well in school, and you do want to be ranked well. But I wouldn't be concerned about hiring rates per se. I wouldn't be concerned about some of those other things because you don't want to get caught up and seen as a somebody's fungible, billable hour. Right. You want to be a package. You want to be a personality. You want to have a whole lot of different things that add depth and richness to your to your resume and to the package of information or the package of uh, skills that you bring to a firm. And, and make yourself unique from what it sounds like. You, you want to, going back to your brand, um, you want to make yourself so unique to where someone wants you and you want to find those common interests that you can talk about, like your Jerry, Jerry Buss example. And, you know, 
uh, as Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And it sounds like your shot got rewarded. Well, I was I was fortunate that time. There were certainly some uh, pitches that went by to change uh, sports analogies, but um, it worked out very well. And if nothing else, it was a lot of fun. It was very, very cool. I bet. Yeah. All right. One more time. One more question. You got it. All right, Dave. So this one comes from Phil. It says, I've been out of school for about five <clears throat> years now. I'm single. I'm $30,000 in debt from credit cards, and I'm making around $60,000 a year. Bankruptcy seems like a quick and easy way to get through step three. Do you have any suggestions for me? Hmm. Yeah, Phil. Bankruptcy can be used for different things for different people. Um, here, if your debt's 30 and you're making 60, it means your debt is about six months of your annual income. Might be a little bit on the light side. That ratio should really be one to one, in my opinion, before someone starts strongly considering bankruptcy. Now, that being said, there's a lot of other extenuating factors that could come into play. Uh, for example, if you see your income going up significantly, if you're writing scripts and you're about ready to sell a script or get an acting job, you're less likely to do something in terms of filing for bankruptcy. If, you're, if your job is going to go away in two months, if there's a contract that's up and your income is going to go to zero, well, may, maybe you consider bankruptcy in you know, the next couple of months and see how it goes. But I think that any decision to file for bankruptcy needs to be made in conjunction with your accountant or a trusted friend. Uh, certainly a, a bankruptcy attorney uh, was, would be a good idea. I think you need to look at the whole set of facts to determine whether that's the right move to make. But on the at first blush, I'm not so sure that that's what you want to do. Um, I, I get that, that you want to get through step three of eliminating debt. And I know that might take you two, three, four years to, to eliminate this debt based upon your current salary. And bankruptcy is certainly a tempting way to get through that step and, and get going on your financial plan, to get to the backside of that plan and start saving money um, and having money in your pocket. But I don't know that I would necessarily short circuit that for, for 30000 bucks. You really could go either way, but I would lean uh, away from it at this point. I, I know that that $30,000 doesn't even seem like real debt. You know, back in the day when, when people would get into debt, they would know the president of the bank and they would know that they walked in and borrowed $30,000 from Gene, the president of the bank. Now the lender is, you know, Visa card and American Express, and it doesn't seem like um, real debt. And in fact, most people can't even tell you what they got for the debt. Mostly it's dinners and experiences and, you know, just junk stuff. So it doesn't seem like real debt and people want to get rid of it quicker rather than later. That being said, if you've got a plan or can put together a plan to pay it all down to zero, I don't know. I think I'd do that first, you know? I don't think that I would run off and file bankruptcy just to try and short circuit the steps. Another interesting example is one time I had someone come see me and they had some credit problems and uh, on their credit report, and they um, persuasively talked to me about how their credit would get better sooner if they filed the debt, uh, filed bankruptcy on the debt. And we weren't even sure that this was really their debt, but their response was, "Hey, whatever the liability is, even that contingent liability, I can get rid of it, and the credit will start to heal quicker." than if they tried to litigate, if they tried to negotiate or something like that. And I think that that was 
um, a very interesting point of view. I, I advise them, don't file bankruptcy on debt you may not even owe. Uh, I don't think that it's that much easier of a way to go. And, and certainly there are some downsides in terms of you know credit rating and what have you with the bankruptcy. So I wouldn't necessarily look for the, the, the quicker way or the easy way out. Sometime it's, sometimes it's better just to go ahead and face it head on and, and deal with it. But for Phil, 30 on 60, 30,000 debt making 60, um, you could go either way. We'd need to know a little bit more about other things going on in your life, where you've been, where you're at, where you want to be. But just on the face of it, that starts to feel like it's maybe a little on the light side. That's just my two cents, Phil. Yeah, and uh, if you don't mind, Dave, if I can comment on this. Uh, in earlier episodes, I, th- I believe we had a similar email with uh, a woman who had a similar problem or a similar issue, excuse me, and... We or you said that we should look at other factors that are stemming from this debt. How like how much are they spending a month on food? How much uh, are they paying um, in interest rates? How much are uh, erroneous purchases that are made by the person? And I, I believe that we can look into that, and then maybe Phil can look into that, and then go from there. What do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. First and first and foremost, I'm glad that you're paying attention and not simply asleep while I'm answering these questions. So I'm gratified by that. But but secondly, I think that you need to look at the entire picture. I mean, let's let's take and add one fact to the scenario. Let's say Phil has got um, uh, two kids from a previous relationship and he's paying court ordered support. Well, now he's got seven, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars in support that's gonna go on for eighteen, twenty years, whatever it might be, that dramatically changes what, you know, Phil might be thinking about in terms of um, what he needs to do. Or say, for example, Phil's got some kind of um, um, disease or physical disability where he doesn't know how long he's going to be able to work. Um, maybe he needs to become uh, disabled or he won't be able to work in two months. Well, that would be a very different set of facts. I I guess my point is you really need to sit down and look at the whole picture and there's no real absolute rule of thumb. My initial rule of thumb is debt equaling annual income, but that's just a starting point. That's just a starting point. And then you talk with two or three different people about it, but just 30 on 60, Phil wouldn't do it. So Phil, I know you're listening. Send us a follow-up so we can do a round two when we uh, get your email. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how things are uh, working out. Hey, keep on listening. In one of the future podcasts that's coming up, we're going to talk about what to do when you get those recorded messages from the IRS. I've actually (laughs) got a couple that are recorded. Uh, They were foolish enough to leave them on my voicemail, so I'm going to play them publicly. So uh, tune in and listen to that, then we're going to have some tips on uh, how to deal with that. So that's all we have time for today. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.